Welcome to the Caleb Mason podcast. Super excited to have you here with us today. The music that you're listening to is brought to you by my good friend, Sam Massey. And if you have any musical needs, audio needs, or any video needs, be sure to hit him up and uh, he'll be happy to create some stuff for you. But today I am joined by another one of my friends, Todd Hicksonbaugh. I feel like I'm the only friend that you have. I just said that I have another friend in Sam. Okay, has Sam but Sam hasn't been on the podcast. I was just gonna say, has Sam been on the podcast? Which means my voice has been on this podcast a lot. Which means that, as far as anybody knows, Sam is a made-up person. Sam, are you a made-up person? I feel like that might be a thing. We'll wait for your response. Yep. Anyway, we're doing, uh, or I'm doing a little bit something different today. Uh, I'm starting a new type of podcast series called "Books That Changed My Life," and oh, occasionally. Lord. I will have friends on to discuss, um, but a lot of the time, I'll just be doing them by myself. But today is not one of those cases. Today, I'm talking about a book with one of my best friends, Todd Hicksonbaugh, and the book is Deep and Wide, Creating Churches Unchurched People Love to Attend by Andy Stanley. And I will go out and say that this is a book that is probably one of the top 10 books that have influenced me in my life. Yeah, I remember whenever it came out, um, you and I were ankle deep in internship world um, of just learning how to do church and all that kind of stuff. And when this book came out, um, it was something that you and I, I think you actually got it, from, bought it for me. Um, I think I might have. I think you did. You bought me a copy of it. And uh, I don't remember why, but I think you did. And uh, we wrote, we both were reading it. Relatively the same amount. You you read it in the first day. I did. I I read it in the first day, and then uh, I think I read it a second time, like within the next day or two. Yeah, and uh, that might sound extreme, but this book is so interesting in everything that it does, that um, and how it how it kind of is shaped. I think both of us how we think of church that uh, it was, it's well worth it. It's a book I read once a year, um, and it's a good reminder. There's several books that I, that I put in what I call the Holy of Holies, and they're just books that are, are always going to have eternal truth to them, and they're always going to have something major that contributes to the way that I view the world, and this is one of them. Uh, this is one of them, and it's not just how I view church, but it's also how I view interacting with people and sharing the gospel with the world. Um, it, it really is a book that was very formative for me in terms of all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and for me, the reason why it's so formative is uh, is obviously because of because of the author. Andy Stanley is somebody who who still influences me to this day in terms of my thinking, in terms of um, particularly, I would say, uh, communicating, and then even even spiritually, and then in my leadership journey as well. And so, um, especially growing up, um, he was one of the people that I looked to, and I still look to him today to just follow um, and just to be influenced by him. And so whenever he comes out with a book and basically says, hey, this is this is the playbook yeah. for how we operate our church, or our church is called North Point Ministries, I was completely down for it. Yeah, and this is, um, well, I mean, we were talking about Andy, Andy today. Um, it's a Sunday when we're recording this, and so we were just talking about Andy today, and a way that we look at him right now, how he's been changing the way he is is preaching again. He's already pivoted several times in his career. We both feel like he's pivoting again. Um, and so he's just a person who we're constantly thinking through and following and, and trying to pick apart how he's leading and what he's doing. 
And, and let's let's just start there. You know, <clears throat> we want to look at some of the ways that this book has shaped us, um, not only oh, yeah. several years ago, whenever we read it, but how it, how it has continued to shape us throughout throughout our life. And that's really what this podcast series um, is is about. It's not just great books that we've read, but how have these books literally shaped our lives? And so let's start with Andy's preaching style. And so what it started out with was how we had, um, you know, Andy was really one of the people, really the person who introduced the plasma screen to yeah. it and using the TV um, as a part of his communication. And, and if you don't know what that is, uh, most of the time right now, if you tune in uh, on Facebook or whatever, and you were watching a Facebook live on a Sunday morning of a pastor, preaching, or if you're attending a church, most pastors are now moving to a situation where they aren't just standing behind a pulpit anymore reading their script. They're not standing and and, and doing that and referencing the big screens behind them. Many of them, many, many, many of them, your dad is one of these guys, Mm -hmm. have moved to a flat screen television, basically on a cart next to them, that has the slides whether it's the verses, bottom lines, points they want to make, right next to them. And Andy was influential. He is the person that introduced this way of doing it um, into, into the evangelical church world um, in, a, in a major way, right? And, and now it's very hard to go to a church that they're not using this style mm-hmm. because it is so effective visually for people. And to, it works even, I mean, today, right? Um with the amount of content that's all online, it blends perfectly in with that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he, he this is just an example of, yeah. of, of what he's done. Well, I don't want to rush past something that you said, which, <clears throat> which has affected our communication style as well. You talked about a bottom line. And one of the things that, that we've learned from Andy is that, hey, your message should be able to be summed up in like a one-sentence yep. statement. And, and taking that away, and, and it's interesting that we were, again, we were just talking about this today, of how Andy has morphed his communication even more to where he, he does have a bottom line, and occasionally um, you, you can pick it out. But really more of it's just like now one big idea, mm-hmm. and then it's usually somewhere between three to four just really, you know, he calls them sticky statements that just stand out to you as well. Yep. Yeah. And that's just the, the thing that you and I were talking about today. That's that's how he's changed it yet again in terms of what he's doing. Well, and it's all about making your talks memorable. Right, right. And, you know, the, the problem is, is, and this is kind of, I've heard him talk about it. I've heard your dad uh, talk about it. But, like, you know, most of the time by Monday, people have forgotten what you talked about, what the details of the talk were. But, you know, if you can have a couple of one-liners that are reminders that maybe they tweeted out, maybe they took a note. And then as a church, your social media presence, you're putting that stuff online. It reminds people of these things. And if you are able to design talks in a way that you have these sticky statements, these things that people will remember that sum up the idea or the thoughts of that you were trying to communicate that Sunday, it is so much more effective. And as a communicator, as somebody who's trying to get points across, the funny thing is, is that this is literally how rhetoric was designed. Mm-hmm. And some of the greatest rhetoricians and people who um, uh, who really created the science, right, of, of rhetoric and speaking, um, the Greeks and the Romans, this is how they did things. And they mm-hmm. would talk for three hours, but the reason it was memorable is because they did things just like this, and it's brilliant. 
I think it's brilliant. Yeah, and I mean, just just even thinking of a few, let's uh, we'll we'll give a few of our uh, favorite one-liners from Andy. I'll just give you a couple. I think one of the ones that stood out to me the most is that it's more about becoming the right person than finding the right person. You know, priority determines capacity. You know, the the direction and quality of your life is influenced by your friends. Mm-hmm. Your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. Would just be a couple for me. What about for you, Todd? What are some that I come to think- mind? I I actually don't my mind just went blank. I don't have any that are on the <laughs> top of my head. That's fine. Um so there there's that. Yeah, I and I just think the the other thing to where his communication style and he gets into this in the book is um is you know with uh with Todd and I being followers of Jesus and even w- working at the church, it's how do you communicate with people who don't believe what you believe mm-hmm. as well? <laughs> and and just the game-changing thing. And I, I, I hesitate to say game-changing thing, um, but, but maybe it is because I feel like it's just become so familiar to me now. But just acknowledging people who don't believe what you believe and even giving them permission not to follow through on all that stuff. Right. And Andy's been very, very um, public about what he reads and what he has been studying the last probably five to seven years. Mm -hmm. And he talks a lot about um, what he calls the four horsemen. And so after 9-11 happened at the beginning of the 2000s, um, there were four prominent thought people who were atheists or agnostic. And they began to write extensively and they came out with things, and uh, one of the people is Sam Harris, is one of these people, Richard Dawkins is another one of these people, and they began to write prolifically about, you know, if God is so good, why do things like 9-11 happen? And the thought really permeated into society in a real way, and, and Andy has been studying this for years now, and, and what he has been seeing is all the stuff and reasons that I believe actually shaped why he wrote this book and absolutely shaped his book he wrote two years ago called Irresistible yep. um, because it, it, it is the thought process that you cannot make the assumption any longer that people in the United States are Christians. You just can't. It yep. used to be. And by the way, I don't know that it's a good thing or a bad thing that you used to be able to make that assumption because my question always was, well, okay, if everybody's a Christian, why is there still sin? Why are there still all these issues in our society when everybody is air quotes? I'm doing air quotes right now. Mm-hmm. When everybody would say that they're Christian, why are there so many unchristian things that still are happening, right? Yeah. So that was always my question is, okay, when we say that everybody was a Christian, they identified as that, but did they really live that out? Mm-hmm. And so what Andy is saying is that, um, you know, with unchurched people, he would now probably call them nuns, um, N-O-N-E-S, people who just simply don't identify with anything. They don't identify with with being a Christian. They don't identify really with any religion. Maybe they're spiritual, air quotes. But all of this is thinking that it was brought about from these four, air quotes, four horsemen, or these these people writing prolifically about um, God and why God isn't real. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. I love it. And he's been very vocal about how he listens regularly to like the Sam Harris podcast. Yep. He is reading their stuff. Like he is involved in this, trying to figure out and deconstruct from the other side. What would it take? What is it that they're thinking? What is it that they're seeing that the church needs to know about? And flip side, and this is what I love about Andy. 
not only what the church can do to make it better for them, but how are they perceiving the church so that the church can adapt and fix itself? Mm-hmm. And they're allow- he's allowing in a real way non-Christians, people who are against Christianity, to speak into the church and be able to teach the church, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, and that just makes me think of just another one of his bottom lines, you know, be a student, not a critic. Yeah. So, Todd, we've, we've talked about his teaching style. Um, give me give me another way that Deep and Wide has just shaped your thinking and even your leadership. Um, it, it, it shaped me in vulnerability as a leader. Uh, the opening part of the book, he shares incredibly sensitive stories, personal stories about his family, about his relationship to his parents, mm-hmm. about his parents' relationship that were always rumored things or things, I think, that were suspected or that were public at one point but tried to were, were eventually covered up. And his dad, for those of you who don't know, is Charles Stanley, who is an incredibly famous um, pastor. He pastors um, – First Baptist Church of Atlanta, I believe, is what it's yeah, called. He still does. Um, yep. Still is there. He's what in his late eighties. Yeah. I mean, he, he's still going strong. Still yep. going strong. Yep. Um, which is an incredibly prominent Baptist church in the South, and in particular in Atlanta. Yeah. And ended up going through a pretty high pro- profile divorce. Yep. Um, like while he was a pastor. While he was a in pastor. the midst, in like during a time that divorce was like not an option. It was unheard of. And it was yeah, it was unheard of. It was unheard of, and so um. You know, and Andy reveals that. And what it showed me was that um, oftentimes people don't know how much you care until they can see your scars. They don't, they just don't, they're not fully bought into you unless you show them the scars that you have, unless you have some, some, some skin in the game, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. Uh, and, and it taught me the value of, of, and not having to be gross or, uh, you know, gross about this in terms of like, not you. Not everything is for public consumption, but there are pieces of things that are of our story that are true testimonies that do speak into people, and especially in a world right now, where it, where you cannot assume that people are are faith based people, um, being able to show them things about you and about yourself as a leader that um, make you more relatable and 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 help people to see things that in you that they that they know are in them. It really is a move that creates a ton, a ton of relational capital. Yeah, and and I think you know me, uh, being being a pastor's kid, just as just as Andy was, and like I'm working with my dad right now at right. the church that I'm a part right. of, and and really to see, um, you know, just what you were saying, the vulnerability that he went through, and honestly, like they they had a lot of tension. Yeah. During it too, because yep. of some different stuff that went down, and um, I mean to the point where Andy, there's a quote in there where Andy talks about how he dreaded Monday through Saturday, mm-hmm. loved Sundays. Yep, and and basically what it ended up, uh, a lot of what ended up happening is that it led to um, kind kind of a church split. It did between the two of them, and Andy ended up, uh, you know, going off and planting or not planting, but starting North Point. Uh, community church and then you know obviously Charles stayed at First Baptist in Atlanta and and really um, and yet they continued to meet yeah they continued to you know get together I think they said once a week mm-hmm. and, I, and I think for me what I've just realized and what I've learned um, throughout all of it and it's because of Andy's um, vulnerability and even Charles's vulnerability I remember um, you know I can't remember if it's in the book or if it's something else that I saw like Andy Andy 
like checked with his dad and was like, hey, let me know what you don't want taken out of it. And yep. so thank you both uh, for just sharing that. And, and what I think I've learned through that is that family is what's most important. Yeah. That the church will come and go, but fam, I mean, family is forever. Right. And what Caleb was saying whenever he says checked with his dad, he literally allowed his dad to take a pen and edit anything out that he didn't want released. Mm-hmm. And and um and, and I think I heard one time in an interview, I might be wrong about this, but I don't think he actually did. I don't think that Charles took m- anything out. Mm-hmm. I think he really allowed the whole story to be to be and that also speaks to to Andy's ability to communicate well even through writing to yep. not have to and and knowing what to share and what not to share, but I don't believe that Charles took anything out. I might be wrong about that. Don't hold me to that. But I think that I've heard in an interview before where, where Charles did say that. And it was an incredibly sensitive thing. So I think for me, that was definitely a piece that influenced the way that I think in, in terms of just being vulnerable as a leader. I, I think another thing, and this this doesn't come straight from Andy, um, but he references it all the time as this scripture found in, in the book of Acts. And if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, basically it is, it is the story of how the church came to be and how the church grew over time. And it's in this verse, and it's from the brother of Jesus, James, and it says, It is not my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. And it's Acts 15, 19. And it just reminds me, uh, that I, I need to have open hands with, um, with my beliefs. Mm-hmm. I need to have open hands with my beliefs, and I need to not prioritize what I believe more than the people. Like I shouldn't be allowing my beliefs to hurt other people. Yeah, and that this this between this book and his second book, Irresistible, Andy took a lot of heat particularly from the Southern Baptist Convention, the SBC, particularly from just Baptists in general, which that's kind of his upbringing. That was his roots, right, coming up through the church, as well as a lot of conservative um, evangelicals because, you know, there's when you start making statements like that, there comes into question, right, all sorts of things for people who, who hold tightly to different things. And he took a lot of heat well, in this book and in particular with Irresistible. Well, I think what people think is that you're not, that you don't think that the Bible— or that rules, or whatever it might be, or that the Ten Commandments aren't important. Mm-hmm. They are. They're just not what's most important. People are always more important than those things. Yeah. And I think that what I saw while he was writing and doing both these books, and while he was, you know, because he still does the deep and wide tour. Mm-hmm. Like, every year he does a deep and wide tour where he goes and he speaks, and and he... he um. He talks about the principles of what, what North Point was founded on. Like he does this every year. He goes to cities and he does this. He does the same thing now with his Irresistible tour, where he talks about the principles and things that he outlines in the book Irresistible. Mm-hmm. And but both of them, he took so much heat. He took so much heat. And and you know, I'll just say it out loud. What the the big thing is that that people were concerned about is if you take his line of reasoning all the way to the furthest extent, you could lead to homosexuality is okay, homosexuality is not sin, homosexuality is something that... Well, and that anything, we and, any and sin, really, it's, any sin. Exactly, is that any sin, and what the furthest... Re- we, there's a, a term for that, which is called universalism, where um, you know God is so good, God is so great, that he would never condemn people 
to hell because he's a loving God. And so people took it obviously to the furthest extreme of what you could take his line of thinking. And Andy has been pretty loud about the fact that that's not what he's saying at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what he was saying. And and he has made great reasoning and really helped um, work with people work through that. I actually suggest if you want to hear some of the furthest content, the best content where he really lays this out, there are a couple of um, – he did one sermon in particular in the spring of 2018. And I then think he, that was for after the series Aftermath. And then he did – yeah, it was in the series Aftermath. And then he also did an entire sermon series specifically on the content from his book in the fall of yeah, 2018. Called The Bible for Grownups. Called The Bible for Grownups. And and um, it, it truly was impactful and really did help explain his perspective where he had 40 minutes to be able each – for multiple weeks in a row to talk through this. And um, it really helped me, and in particular – um, he, I mean, he, he's just bringing the principles of deep and wide, mm-hmm. and just this is the next extension is irresistible, right? Yep, yep. The no, the, another thing that I want to talk about is just the idea. I feel like I hear this term all of the time. Mm-hmm. It was introduced in here. Is that of fresh eyes? Yeah, and North Point is huge on fresh eyes. I mean, Caleb, they even do a thing where they have they throw a party for um, new hires, where at the 90-day mark, they have you fill out a questionnaire where it's like the last day for them that you have fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. They literally throw a party or have like a little celebration for staff members because it's like you're officially now coming into the fold in terms of like, you know, now you're no longer, you're not fresh eyes anymore, right? Like you're you're a part of it. And that's how seriously they take this. Yep. And, And what the concept of fresh eyes means is that because you're new, you see things that other people don't see simply because people have gotten used to their surroundings. And so just as Todd was saying is that, and and really this just speaks to the culture of North Point as well, of such a culture of evaluation and improvement and of actively seeking out that feedback as well and being intentional about it and asking questionnaires. And like nothing is off the table none of it and that's what's so impressive about what how they they conduct this stuff that's what's so impressive also i think about andy that's why i was talking about earlier where he's even allowing thoughts and things of people who are non-christians who are staunchly against christianity to be able to allow him to see through their eyes with fresh eyes right um not that he's communicating with them and, and getting their opinions on things but like their perspective and things that they're saying, he takes it, flips it, and says, okay, how would a person who is this extreme in this direction view what we're doing? Mm -hmm. And how can we make something that even can connect to that person that's that far away from following Jesus? Like, how can we influence them? And that's why I think it's beautiful, this concept of fresh eyes. And again, that comes from deep and wide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Todd, I got one more way that I want to share that this book has impacted me. But before that, what how else has this book shaped you that you want to just share? Um, I think we've talked a lot about um, structurally, uh, I think structurally, right? How the, the, here's tactics and here are things that, that Andy talks about in this book that were influential. But I wanted to speak as well to just my time, my personal time of, of development when this came out. We mentioned it at the beginning. We were both interns at the time. This was the first book that I read in my life that after I read it, and I'm not, let's not talk about the Bible, right? Like that's, I'm going to take that off the table. This was the first book in my life that I read that was nonfiction because I actually have a whole story about how Harry Potter was this way for me as well. Um, 
but it made me want to change things about how I live my life. Mm-hmm. And and it was a, a spiritual thing for me reading this book. Um, at the risk of sounding blasphemous, it was really a, a spiritual thing when I read this book. It made me realize the importance and the significance, right, of of what it actually meant to be able to grow up in a family that prioritized faith and to be able to develop in that way because not everybody did. And it wasn't that I didn't know that. It was I didn't understand the significance Mm -hmm. of what it truly meant, you know, with the Great Commission. I did not fully understand the Great Commission being that we are to go to the ends of the earth and and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're supposed to tell people about Jesus, right? Like, I didn't understand the significant impact of what that really meant until I read this book and realized that our churches had gotten to a spot where they were so broken that a book like this needed to be written. And it hurt my heart, but it also was exciting for me because what I was reading was literally something that could help churches to reconnect to Jesus. And we've all been to churches that are like this, where they're so broken and so backwards and so insulated in their thinking that they wouldn't know what to do with a new person if they walked in the door. They literally wouldn't know what to do. Um, they're country club churches is what I call them. And this was a book that is basically saying, hey, it's okay if that's your story. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we have all the answers here. What I am saying is there's something more to this life than what we currently have. And we believe that for a person that's an unbeliever. But we also believe that for people who are believers. Mm-hmm. Because this is something that can change your life too. Yeah. And, and I think just what you're saying just fits in right with, with the last way. Uh, and really, there's, there's so many other ways that this book has shaped me. Um, but the last one that I want to talk about is just the idea of marry your mission and date your model. Yeah. That, that you know, Andy talks about. Um, and really, I think this is true for any organization and not just for churches. But the church's mission, just as you were saying, is the Great Commission. Yeah. Like, like no, like, and we all have the same one. Like, it's not like there's different ones for different groups. No. Like, the, the biggest church in the country right now is, is um, Church of the Highlands down in, it's originated in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like, their call is the same as the 90-person church meeting in Kentucky. Yep. Like, there's no difference. Yep, which is to tell people the good news about Jesus, disciple yep. them, and then baptize them. Yep. And, and, and each piece is significant in what it symbolizes and is saying. And, and really what Marry Your Mission, Date Your Model references to is that, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, we are telling people about Jesus. We are discipling people. We are baptizing people. And anything that helps us do that, that is our mission. Our model is how we do it. And I love Craig Rochelle says it this way. I think it sums it up in a beautiful, beautiful way. Is this, I want to do everything short of sin Mm-hmm. to bring as many people into the kingdom of heaven as possible. Yep. But not just to bring them into the kingdom of heaven, but to release them to do the same. And I think that's exactly what Andy's talking about in this book. Yep. And so many times, and it's been, it's been our experience. It's been, I'm sure if you've been listening, if you, you have any history with the church, it's probably been your experience too, that we have churches that are perfectly suited to serve people of, 20 years ago or 25 years ago or, or from a long time ago and they haven't moved forward. But our, our job as new leaders in the church, you know, this is what you and I talk about yep. all the time, literally all the time is how can we marry our mission? How can we lead with mission and not get trapped in a model? 
Yeah. And so this book, as we've mentioned, has been um, has literally shaped our lives and has made yeah. an impact on it. And if anything that you've heard today has intrigued you, or honestly, like if you were involved in the church, I would say you need to read this book. Yeah, actually, at the church that we both work at, it's required reading. Um, yep. And so like when you first sign on at the church, they give you a stack of about five different books. This is one of the books they give you. Yeah. And I, I would say if if you work at a church, you have to read this book. And if you attend this, if you attend a church, you should you should probably read this book. Yeah, as well. So go ahead, check it out. Head to Amazon, wherever you purchase books as well. And check it out. Todd, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. As I mentioned earlier, the music that you're hearing right now is from my good friend, Sam Massey. Thanks so much for listening today. Until next time, keep learning and keep growing.